invite you to <clears throat> turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. We want to welcome our online audience. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a delight to have you and to know that you are there. I want to give a shout out to Stephen who wrote me early this morning and said, Pastor, I won't be in church because I am on call and need to stay near the phone. So uh, we're blessed that you're able to join us online, Stephen. And there are those that are in different parts of America, believe it or not, that join us and they write us and tell us how much they look forward to the opportunity of hearing God's word and we are so blessed by that. <clears throat> well, last Sunday we did not have service because of the weather and I thought after going through 21 days of fasting, we need to somehow bring closure to it and I know you've had a week already to bring closure by feasting, I'm sure. Yes, one dear friend wrote me, said, Pastor, I just miss my fried eggs and toast in the morning, and I can't wait to wake up on Monday morning to uh, eggs and toast, and I could identify with that because I also enjoy that <clears throat> kind of breakfast, but this morning I want to share with you the rewards of fasting and in Isaiah 58, they are outlined for us, beginning in verse 8, and I'm going to be jumping around here, beginning in verse 8 and 9, then when we fast, and we fast according to God's word, then your light shall break forth like the morning, your he healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Verse 10b, Then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Verse 14, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. And he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We didn't have the opportunity last week to congratulate you on completing this 21-day fast. I know that's a big challenge for many of us, but it's been my prayer that during this fast, you've been given a fresh and a new appreciation for what God calls us to in his word. 
I pray that it has become such a blessing to you that you're not just wiping your brow and saying, thank God this 21 days is over. I don't know if I could have made it one more day. But instead you're saying, this was such a blessing. This was so meaningful. This was a time when I felt God's presence in such a special way, where I felt myself drawing closer to God and Him drawing closer to me. I can't wait to do another fast. Now, don't wait for your pastor to call on the church to do another fast. Although, don't rule that out because if God leads us to do that, we will do that. But I believe as disciples of Jesus Christ, God is calling all of us to live a fasted lifestyle. That is to say that fasting is not some foreign, out-of-vogue term that so many Christians don't believe in today. And you might say, well, they believe in it, but they don't practice it. And if you don't practice it, then it's as good as saying you don't believe in it. Because what good is saying, I believe in fasting, if you're not going to fast? Jesus said, when you fast. He did not tell us how often, but he did tell us that fasting is something that you and I need to embrace as part of our Christian experience. If we are truly going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, this is not something we just do once a year when we have a corporate fast and it almost seems like a ritual that we enter into, okay, it's January. I know our church is going to do a 21-day fast. Will I be able to get through it this year? but rather to say, as I live my Christian life, I want to live it in such a way that there will be times, maybe once a week, maybe twice a month, maybe three times a month, whatever it is, I am setting aside this time to fast and to pray. It's not just doing away with food. It's fasting and it is praying. Now, I know that we are saved by grace alone. Fasting does not save us. Fasting does not give us brownie points with God. The scripture tells us by grace, we read in Ephesians 2, that it's by grace that we are saved, but we are also saved for good works. Look at Ephesians 2 and 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you ever consider fasting as part of good works that we as believers should be engaging in because it is something that is a work that is drawing us closer to God? It is a work that we do that is filling our hearts with more passion, more hunger for God, where our hearts are more open so that God can reveal himself to us in new and in fresh ways. And because of the benefit of what this good work of fasting is doing in our lives, it must never, ever be neglected if we are truly going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And so therefore, I pray that this fast that ended last Sunday becomes a catalyst for all of us to live a fasted lifestyle. And of course, that's just the essence of what a disciple is. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Well, how do we deny ourselves? Think about it. Do we go through life denying ourselves? We eat what we want to eat, when we want to eat, how we want to eat. We watch TV when we want to watch TV. We engage in our hobbies. We, we, we engage in our pleasures. Nothing stops us. Do we ever have a mindset that God says, if I'm going to be the disciple of Jesus Christ, then I need to deny myself. And there is no better way of proving self-denial than denying the stomach of the food that it longs for. Yes, <clears throat> it's not easy, but there are rich rewards for those who will engage in what God's word says, his chosen fast. And we read about this chosen fast in Isaiah chapter 58. This is the passage of scripture that is the most conclusive teaching in the word of God on the subject of fasting. Unfortunately, this morning, we do not have time to exegete this entire passage of scripture. But suffice it to say, you and I can starve ourselves to death and still get nowhere with God because we are not embracing the requirements of this chosen fast. Now again, unfortunately, we don't have time, and my purpose this morning is to talk about the rich rewards, because you've gone through the discipline, you've done the hard work of denying yourself, so I want you to be encouraged this morning to know that God's word says that when you do this the right way, there are rich rich rewards that he wants to lavish upon us. But I feel that I cannot, in all honesty, just tell you about those rewards without stating this caveat that is so clearly explained in Isaiah 58. And I believe it's summed up in that one verse of Scripture that says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. So we could fast... You could go beyond the Daniel fast and say, I'm, I'm just going to do a water fast. Well, you're really a serious faster if you're just going to do the water fast. But if you regard iniquity in your heart, God is saying, you're going to lose a few pounds. But the blessings and the rewards that I have are not for you. And so again, we don't have time to go through Isaiah 58 where God is clear with the children of Israel who are saying, God, we fasted. God, we've done what you've told us to do. We put sackcloth and ashes that the people know that we're fasting. We're, we're really doing what you've asked us to do. But apparently, you're not seeing, you're not hearing. God says, how can I see or hear when your hearts are not right before me? How can I 
bless you with the rewards that I want to bless you with when you have animosity in your heart and there's injustice in your life and you're not sanctifying yourself on the Sabbath, which I said to keep holy. You're more interested in making your money than you are in honoring me. You're more interested in pointing fingers. Oh, this person has this wrong with them and that person has that wrong with them. If you stop pointing the finger, God says, you've take away the critical spirit out of your heart, then I will honor you and I will bless you and I will reward you. So this morning we want to assume, or at least we want to be challenged as we enter into a fasted lifestyle, that before we fast we always examine our hearts and say, God, see if there be a wicked way in me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If, if I need to go to someone and ask them for forgiveness for some transgression that I committed against them, then help me to, to make that confession and to, to give that forgiveness. I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Prayer Storm, but there are, I know some of the intercessors in this church that love Prayer Storm. It's out of London, and they've been having some special meetings, and I tuned in for a while this week, and I was so blessed as I heard Anna, I believe her name is, they were in this time of prayer and she says, oh, I just feel the spirit of God telling us that we really need to focus on, on this issue of forgiveness. Because sometimes we say we forgive, but the bitterness is still in our hearts. The hurt still lingers. And every time we hear that person's name, it just stirs something up within our hearts. And she said, the Lord was dealing with me about unforgiveness, and I thought I had forgiven these individuals who had so deeply hurt me. And Jesus whispered in those moments and said, Anna, will you forgive them because I have forgiven them, and my blood has cleansed them and washed them. And she said, but Lord, if I forgive them, then I'm opening the door for them to continue to hurt me. And Jesus said, Anna, but this is the way of the cross. Will you be my disciple and will you forgive them? And she said that in this experience she had with the Lord that she turned because they were in God's throne room. She turned and she saw that Satan was there. She realized that with her unforgiving heart, she brought Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren, into the very throne room of God. And she was so convicted as to what she did that she cried out to God and she released forgiveness and she said, God, I fully forgive them. I release them from any debt that they owe me because you've freely forgiven me. I forgive them. And at that moment, Jesus thrust Satan out of the throne room and out of her life, out of that bitterness that she was held in bondage to. And I believe that there are disciples and Christians and people who call themselves by the name of Christ who go through their life with this unforgiving spirit. 
I'm not saying this to judge anyone or to offend anyone, but I love you and I want you to be freed because of that unforgiveness that is holding you in bondage and that is causing you to come into agreement with Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. And God wants to free us that we could walk in the glorious freedom and the joy of knowing that our sins have been forgiven and the sins that we remit have been remitted. Do you want to know the blessing of fasting? You can't hold unforgiveness. You can't hold bitterness in your heart toward those and if every time that person's name comes up, that instead of being silent, but some bitterness comes out of your heart, that's something that we need to repent of. And I know we're all guilty of it. We are all guilty of it because we're all flesh and it hurts when people have hurt us. But God wants us to see today that in his love and in his mercy, while we were still sinners, he died for us. He requires that if we would be forgiven of him, we must dole out forgiveness freely to others. So assuming this morning that we have observed a fast that God has chosen, that is according to the requirements of Isaiah 58, then these are the rewards. I know that when we hear these, it's going to want to make us go on a fast tomorrow. Because it's so wonderful, all that God desires to do. And you know what else I'm amused by? How we take verses out of God's word. And, oh, that's a promise for me. But a text without a context becomes a pretext. And I want you to know that the promises in Isaiah 58 are for those who embrace God's chosen fast. And if we don't embrace the chosen fast, then these blessings aren't for us. God is saying specifically for those who embrace his chosen fast, verse 8, then your light shall break forth like the morning. You ever experienced darkness in your life? I believe we all do. But one of the things that happens when we fast in God's way, he turns his light on. And when he turns his light on, dawn breaks in because it eradicates all of the darkness in our hearts and in our spirits. Sometimes as believers, we go through what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I believe if you are sincere in your walk with God, every person who seeks to live close to God will go through the dark night of the soul. But when we stay faithful to God, when we fast and when we pray, when we don't accuse God, but we continue to declare that he is good, that his mercies are new every morning, that great is his faithfulness, that we still give him praise when we don't understand why he's allowing certain things to come into our lives, that God will break in and bring light and show us that there is light at the end of the tunnel. 
That's his promise. Your light shall break forth like the morning. Notice a similar promise in verse 10. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. There's a lot of difference between what it looks like at midnight and what it looks like at 12 in the afternoon. Such a huge difference. God declares this promise, your light shall dawn. When? In the darkness. So when it's midnight in your life, God says, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how black it is. I don't care how dark it is because I'm going to cause my light to shine into your darkness and that darkness is now going to be as bright as noonday. One translation says it this way, your light will expel the darkness. That not only means that our light is going to break through, but that light in us, which is Jesus, is going to drive out all the darkness. See, fasting, fasting increases the capacity of our hearts to receive more light, more illumination. That's why it's often said that when we, have, when we fast, there's greater revelation that comes into our lives. Because now our eyes are opened, our ears are opened. We can see and we can hear and our darkness is transformed <clears throat> into the noonday. Again, there are experiences in our lives where darkness also creeps in, which is also the residue of the old life. Because as long as we are in this flesh, if we are not dying daily, there is that residue of darkness that if we don't keep it in the grave, it's going to resurrect. It's that second look of lust. It's that entertaining of that thought that you know is dishonoring and displeasing to God. It's reveling in that bitterness you feel over someone who justly deserves you feeling that way. That's that darkness in us. We need to understand that that residue or creates habits and patterns in our life that if they are left unchecked, they will open the door wide to darkness. And it happens so subtly until one day we recognize where's the light of God's love? Where's the light of God's presence? Where's the light of God's glory? It's gone from our lives because we've let so much darkness in. But the promise of God's word is that when we fast and pray, see, you fast and you pray. Fasting connects us in prayer to God, but also fasting disconnects us from the world. It disconnects us from the flesh. It disconnects us from the devil, and it allows us to draw near to God. And when we do, the darkness in our lives will be transformed into noonday brightness. Then we learn in verse 8 again of 58, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Sometime we wrestle for our healing. But God's word says that if we 
fast, his chosen fast, that miracles of healing will take place. You know, fasting and healing really are inseparable, both physically and spiritually. People who don't even believe in God believe in fasting because fasting does something miraculous in the body in bringing healing. And I know it's amazing because when we fast, we think we're dying. But we're really not dying when you get hunger pains or a little bit of a headache. That's... that's God's way of how he created this body to bring healing into the body. And there are so many times that people go on fasts and because they are fasting, they are being healed. <laughs> Mark Twain somehow latched onto this secret when he said, a little starvation can really do more for the average sick man than can the best medicine and the best doctors. Now, I'm not advocating that we go on fast to get healed because we're believers. Let's go on a fast to get close to God. And then as a peripheral benefit to that, there will be healing. And God says that your healing will spring forth. Now, I believe there are sicknesses and diseases that God will certainly heal when we fast for his glory and he will cause that healing to just spring forth. He will send his word and his word will be according to his promise in 3 John and 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. When we fast, our soul is definitely prospering we're definitely drawing closer to God. We're getting more revelation. We're, our heart's capacity is receiving more of the Spirit of God. At the same time, God says, my will is that you may prosper and be in health. And while God wills that we walk in divine health, I'm sorry to say it just doesn't come by waving a magic wand and say, okay, God, I fasted, now heal me. God says that we need to be stewards of this temple because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we have a role to play. And if we fail to be good stewards, then we dishonor God and then we're full of aches and pains and we're saying, God, why aren't you healing me? And maybe God is saying it's, because you're not being a good steward of your body. I hope I don't step in any toes, but let me just use this as an illustration. If you insist on drinking diet soda with all that poison aspartame in it, then how do you expect God to heal you when you are putting poison in your body? But fasting will put us on a trajectory of being healthy when we choose to also live healthy and eat healthy and drink healthy. Not too many amens, maybe some ouches. But I say this in all love because as Americans, we are notorious for having some of the worst diets in the world and we think that we could just just feast all day long on junk food and, oh, well, I'm fasting. God's going to heal me. Healing's not going to spring forth if you're tempting God by putting poison in your body. Enough 
said about that. And may I say that sometimes during a fast, we will do away with some of those favorite foods. But some of those favorite foods really are not good for us. And so when we get off of that fast, we're right back. No, 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 no. Say, Lord, thank you that you kept me for 21 days without that diet soda. Thank you that you kept me for 21 days without uh, that uh, fast food that I know is full of junk and man-made chemicals and everything else. I, I don't need it anymore. We will live healthy bodies that are honoring to God. Number three in verse eight, we also read, and your righteousness shall go before you. Now again, this is not speaking about the righteousness that Jesus Christ imputes to us when we become his children, but it speaks about the righteous living that is to earmark every disciple of Jesus Christ. When people see how we live, can they say of us, that person lives a righteous life? They live right, they speak right, they have right attitudes, they have right disposition, they have a right demeanor, they always have the right response to wrong situations. God says when you fast in a way that pleases me, your righteousness will spring forth. Your lifestyle before the Lord will become even more righteous than it was before you fasted. Why? Because now you've, you've opened your heart to have more of Jesus. And the more of Jesus that you have in you, the more of Jesus is going to be fleshed out of you. It doesn't mean that when you fast, you're now going to be better than other people. And you can pat yourself on the shoulder and say, I always thought brother so-and-so was really a good Christian, but guess what? Now that I've been fasting, boy, I I'm even better than they are. No, you're not better than anyone else. You're better than yourself. That's what fasting will do. It will make you better than yourself. And that's what God wants us to have in our lives. That we go from glory unto glory. We go from a righteousness uh, to a greater righteousness because our desire is to walk holy unto the Lord. And that's something that we need to grow in moment by moment and day by day. Then in verse 8, we also read, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Uh, when, I, when I read these promises of this, these rewards, it makes me, I, I, I want to delight in fasting. I, I want to get eager to, to get into another fast because I want to know that God is my rear guard. You know what a rear guard is? A rear guard is a detachment of troops that are tasked to protect the army from any attacks that might come from behind. We don't have eyes behind our head. We don't know what's coming up against us in the rear. Do you remember what happened to the children of Israel? They were marching toward the promised land, but Pharaoh was pursuing them from behind. But in Exodus 14 and verse 19, we read, And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. What was that? That was a wall of protection so that Pharaoh's army could never harm or hurt the children of Israel. See, when we embrace God's chosen fast, he promises, my glory is going to guard you. 
And as long as we're moving forward in God, there's no need for us to look over our shoulder and worry about what's, what's going to hit me. God's saying, I'm going to be your rear guard. I'm going to be pr your protection. I love this in verse 9, the fifth reward. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. That just blows my mind. You know, we always talk about fasting. It's something that makes us more effective in our praying. And when we embrace God's chosen fast, it accelerates God's response to us. We will come to know the experience of praying effectively because in praying effectively, we're hearing the answers are coming. The answers are coming. Boy, no sooner did I ask. And what does God say? Before you call, I will answer. Why? Because I've seen your heart has been drawing closer to me. Fasting accelerates God's response. It ensures a deeper intimacy. So much of our praying is so often a one-way communication. But once fasting breaks us, once fasting brings us as contrite children before our Heavenly Father, and there's a deep repentance in us, you know what? That's like a magnet that just attracts us to God and attracts us in such a special way. What does the Lord say in Isaiah 57? Thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and the holy place, and with him who has a contrite and humble heart, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. When we call on him, he will say, here I am. Ah, oh, can I can't wrap my mind around that. That the creator of the heaven and the earth is responding to my humble little prayer, my humble little cry, and he's saying, Paul, here I am. What are you asking for? What do you need? What do you want? This is your reward because you've drawn near to me, because you've embraced my chosen fast. I'm making myself available to you. I'm hearing and I'm answering your prayer. Then we look at this reward in verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually. I don't know about you, but I need God's direction in my life. So often I don't know which way to go. How many times during the course of the day do we need to make decisions and am I making the right decision? Am I making the right choice? Did I say the right thing? Did I communicate the right way? God says that when you embrace the chosen fast, I will guide you continually. That will be my reward. We need divine strategies in life to make us successful, to make us blessed so that we can enjoy the favor of God. When we embrace God's chosen fast, we will have a keen ear that hears the still small voice that says this is the way, walk in it, and we will know the guiding hand of God in our lives. Verse 11, and I will satisfy your soul in drought. There are dry seasons that come into our life as believers. 
But God says in those dry seasons, if you fast and pray and embrace my chosen fast, that even when you feel like you can't think straight, when your emotions are downcast and you feel half comatose, God's saying, I will satisfy your soul in drought. When we're in the barren land. You know, as Christians, we always like to think that we're, we're in glory land. But the reality is, that's, that's not real life. Real life is there are times when we're in drought. And God says, when you're in that drought, I will feed you in those parched, in those dry places. And he will keep us when things become so difficult. He will sustain us. He will strengthen us. He will meet our needs. See, fasting isn't a magic wand that guarantees that now we're going to be able to live in some kind of fantasy world that we'll never have another problem. Life is still going to be hard, but now we have the promise. God, you promised in your word that you will satisfy my soul in drought. I'm in a parched and in a dry land, but you promised you would satisfy my soul in drought. You will sustain, you will keep, and you will protect me in those barren places, and you will feed me in this barren season. Look at verse 11. <clears throat> and I will strengthen your bones. I actually like the King James version. We were reading from the New King James this morning. I will make fat your bones. There's something about that word fat in the context of the scripture that makes it sound good because when something is fattened up, it's becoming stronger, it's becoming healthier, it's becoming reinvigorated, it's becoming reinforced. You see something that looks sickly and you say, I need to fatten you up. You know, you look emaciated. You look unhealthy. You need some fat on your bones. God's saying, I'm going to take your spiritual frame, your spiritual frame that is weak, your spiritual frame that is cast down, and I'm going to make it fat. I'm going to strengthen it. I'm going to reinvigorate it. We need that because our bones are our foundation. Our bones are our very essence. Our bones are that inner man that God says sometimes becomes so weak. And when it becomes weak, what happens? We fall into temptation. When it becomes weak, we can't pray. When it becomes weak, we don't want to praise. But when it's fattened up, even when it's dark, we could say, Lord, I give you praise because I know who you are. I know what your word says. Them that come to you must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So I praise you for your promise. I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your grace. But that only comes when he fattens our bones. And he says, when you fast and when you pray, I'm going to put strength. I'm going to put a rod down your back and cause you to stand tall and to stand straight that you might be filled with my spirit and strengthened with might by God's spirit in your inner man. And then in verse 11, you shall be like a watered garden. 
I love gardens and watered gardens are even better because when I think of a watered garden, I think of a garden that is lush with foliage and with fruit. It's bountiful. And God says, that's what I want your life to be as my disciple. I want it to be like a lush garden that is full of fruit, fruit that you not only enjoy, but it's fruit that you could dispense to others. It's fruit that when they experience your life, they're experiencing God's love and God's joy and God's, they don't have it, but they see you and your life is so full. Your life is like a garden that is overflowing and it's being dispensed to those who are in need. That's why we're saved, that we could be a blessing to others. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to nurture and nourish and build up and edify other believers. But we first need it in our own lives. And God is saying your fasting and consecrating yourself to me is going to make you a bountiful blessing to others. You're, you're not going to have to grovel for food and be begging for crumbs that fall from the table. You're going to yourself be that banqueting table that is going to minister life and blessing to others. In verse 11, the next of reward is, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not, See, in those days, there were springs, but there were times when those springs and those wells ran dry. But God is saying, if you embrace a fasted lifestyle, if you embrace God's chosen fast, you integrate it as part of your life, you will be like a spring of water, and your waters will never fail. You're not only going to be a garden that bears fruit, you're actually going to be a spring that carries water that brings refreshing and blessings to others. Do you want to be a blessing to others? How can we be a blessing when we're dried and parched and weary and worn? And when others come in contact with us, they're happy to separate from us because what is wrong with that person? That was not a blessing. All I heard them do was moan and groan and complain. I thought they had Jesus in their life. See, when Jesus is in our life, Jesus said that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And as we fast and pray, the Holy Spirit comes in power and in might, and we become a spring of living water that brings refreshing to those that are all around us. Verse 12, and those from among you, you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. What's God looking at? He's looking at a Jerusalem that has been torn down, looking at a Jerusalem that has been wrecked. And we look at our world today, what do we see? We see a world in ruins in so many places and in so many levels. There are lives that are in ruin, cities that are in ruin, families in ruin, a morality that is in ruin, values that are in ruin, politics that is in ruin, integrity that is in ruin, fear of God that is in ruin. It's all in ruin. What are we doing about it? 
God says, if you will embrace a chosen fast, then I will use you to rebuild that which has been torn down. I will use you to build that wall. I will use you to establish those gates of righteousness and holiness and truth. How does it happen? It happens when we fast and when we pray, and then God brings the reward one of the verses that God gave me when I came to this church was this verse. Because I saw a church that was born in glory, that knew revival. This church was so packed full that when we came and Kathy was cleaning out one of the closets, we found blueprints to expand this church to make it larger because they needed more seating. And then over the years, different things happened. And I thought, Lord, can you raise up a remnant of intercessors in this church who will fast and who will pray, who will become those that you will use to be repairers of the breach and restorers of streets, that that which was laid in ruins can now be established once again for God's great honor and God's great glory, that when people pass this church on the highway, they feel the pull and the draw of the Holy Spirit. This, my friends, doesn't happen by us just coming to church on Sunday morning and warming a pew. It comes when God's people get serious about embracing his chosen fast, about living a holy life, about living a fasted lifestyle where we're crying out to God and giving him no rest day and night, night and day until he makes this Jerusalem a praise in Burlington once again. Is that your cry? That God raises up High Street Worship Center to be a praise where his name is glorified, where he is exalted, where he is preeminent, where people come and their lives are are changed and transformed by walking into these doors because his presence and his power is here. And that comes by our being a house of prayer. We can't be a house of prayer until we are earnestly fasting and praying and seeking the face of God. And so that which was once vibrant, that which was once a living entity, that which is now dead and in ruins, God says, I will breathe new life into. I will raise up those bones that they come together as a mighty army. I will put my spirit in them and they will do that which I've called them to do. And then we read in verse 12, as we just shared, you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets that were torn down, rebuilding that which was conquered, rebuilding walls that were torn down, rebuilding city streets. I believe that is referring to rebuilding what the way of God is. We're living in the 21st century where people think with their marketing schemes, they've figured out how they can make churches grow and glow. But my friend, I'm telling you, unless we get back to the word of God, unless prayer becomes the centerpiece of our lives, we will never know the blessing of God until we're serious with God and we get into our prayer closet 
presence and we seek God with all of our hearts. We will never know. We need to pray what the, Jeremiah said, Lord, return us and restore us to the ancient ways. We need to turn our eyes and our ears away from all those mega churches. Look at how they're growing. Look at the people that swarm those churches. Churches that are a, a mile wide and an inch deep. I want churches that are a mile deep and maybe an inch wide. So if this is a remnant that is earnestly seeking the face of God, that's all we need. That's all we need. And I want you to know that, that, that it wasn't that long ago. And I, I know that COVID has done its number. COVID caused us to stop having our, our Wednesday night meetings, which perhaps we need to get back into. But we've had a prayer line and I don't want to tell you how few people, and yet on the intercessors list, we have a long list of people who say we're committed to praying for this church. Where are you on Wednesday night? We need your prayer power. We need you to get on that line and cry out to God with us that God move once again by the power of your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Do a mighty work at High Street Worship Center that your name might be glorified. God is calling us back to the ancient paths. And I'm going to wrap this up in a moment here. When we embrace this chosen fast, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. <sighs> Nothing in this world will delight you like Jesus can and will. And if you're still searching for something that, that is within you or in the world or in some place of employment or in some hobby or some pleasure, it will never satisfy you like Jesus can. And when we embrace this kind of life, the Lord promises you will have a delighted life. And I will cause you, verse, uh, in verse 14, I will cause you to ride on the high hills of, of the earth. You, you know what that is? I'm going to make you victorious. You're going to be more than conqueror. You're, you're going to go through life sailing like on the mountaintops. It's like, I, I, what is this? I, I was often so cast down into the valley. I was always being defeated. I was always being tripped up. The enemy had an upper hand in my life. And God says, if you really seek me with all of your heart, I'm going to cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. You will live in victory. You will live in conquest. You will live in blessing. You will live in favor and I'm going to feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father what was the inheritance of Jacob there was a portal that was opened over Jacob and he saw a ladder the angels in heaven were ascending and descending they were changing Jacob. They were blessing Jacob. They were pouring God's favor out upon Jacob. And God says, that's what I want to do for you. I want to give an open heaven over your life where you can experience the fullness of all that I have for you. And listen, listen, listen to the last verse here. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is a promised blessing a guaranteed blessing that is available to each and every one of us if we will but embrace this chosen fast. 
And not saying, oh, thank God that 21 days is over. But saying, Lord, lead me by your spirit. How can I live a fasted lifestyle? How can I become a house of prayer? How can I grow in my communion and fellowship with you and learn how to seek you with all my heart and to love you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength? God is calling us in 2022 in a deeper place in him, into a deeper place in him. How many of us are hungry for a deeper place in God today? How many of us are longing for a deeper place in God? We recognize that there's been apathy, there's been complacency, there's been lethargy, but God is saying, I'm, I'm trying by my spirit to ignite you with fresh vision, with fresh fire, with fresh passion. If you will but open your heart to me today, I will pour my spirit out upon you in fresh and in new ways but God is looking for hunger God is looking for desire God is looking for an open heart God is looking for a heart that is willing to be surrendered to him to be consecrated to him to say that God there is no cost too great there's no sin that I will not lay down there's no pleasure that I will not reject I will not renounce because I must have you I desire you. I long for you. I want the fullness of your spirit in my life. And if God sees that kind of desire, we will hear his voice saying the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You will live an enlightened life, a healthy life, a righteous life, a protected life, a prayer answering life, a guided life, a satisfied life, a stable life, a fruitful life, a refreshing life, an edifying life, a delighted life life, a victorious life, a nurtured life, and a promised life. Let's stand and give him praise today. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God that is moving on our hearts today, for the Spirit of God that is wooing us into a deeper place in you. Oh, God, we cry out for you today. We need you, God. We need you, God. We long for you, God. More of you, less of me. More of you and less of me me. Oh God, teach us, teach us how to deny ourselves and to draw close to you. Oh, we thank you, Father, for your promises of the rewards that are ours, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And we praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want us to close by singing a song that I want us to make the prayer of our hearts today. Lord, prepare me as we're in his presence this morning. And if you would like to come to this altar and find a place of prayer, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. God wants to dwell in us, not just on Sunday morning. God wants to dwell in us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, 60 minutes of every hour, 60 seconds of every minute. He wants to dwell in us and cause us to know his presence and his power and his glory. Can we make it our prayer to, together as we sing this song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.